0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. We are recapping some exciting second-round action as well as looking forward to the semifinals. Steven, we had a couple good uh, best-of-one, obviously, second-round games today uh, between the Mercury and the Storm and the Sky and the Minnesota Lynx.
1: We did. It was a great day of basketball, quite frankly. Uh, Two very exciting games, two nominal upsets, I would say in one case, you know, phoenix Against Seattle without Brianna Stewart, uh, I wouldn't call that a, a huge upset, but in, right. in terms of the seeding, and they did have to win on the road, and then you know uh, uh, a tough win by Chicago, completely taking the links out of their element for most of the game. Where do you want to start?
0: Uh, let's just start with the uh, the preceding game, the early game, the Mercury and the Storm. This is one that went to overtime, and I feel like. Uh, you know, the Mercury got out to a, an early lead and was able to hold a double-digit lead for much of the first half, but it got pretty close uh, a little after halftime.
1: It did, and I mean, even before halftime, I thought the second quarter is when... I mean, the second quarter was when they, they made that 15-0 run over the course of the final five minutes of the game, and I thought that was when Jewel Lloyd looked at her best, the Phoenix defense and offense, you know, probably looked at their worst. You know, I thought early in the game, the off-ball body movement from Phoenix's, you know, secondary players were a lot better kind of getting into that run, and how they were getting Britney Griner, the ball was a little bit kind of more organic in, in that early part of the game, and then when things started slowing down, it was a little bit more kind of just traditional... Dump downs, back to the basket, post ups, and um, I think in a lot of ways we we kind of saw the limitations of what this offense can be against a really locked in and prepared defense. When Bree Turner just kind of doesn't really have much to do, and you know we saw the lack of optionality that this team has when when they do run into those hurdles. But you know Phoenix was able to to come away with this one.
0: Yeah, this isn't a uh, this isn't a uh, a deep team. Out uh, by any, any stretch of the imagination and i think we even saw some some limitations of their starting lineup in this one uh but it's going to be the stars that get this team to where it wants to go it's it's going to be griner and Diggin smith and tarazi if she's healthy i mean there might have been she didn't look that great physically to me in this game but she she stuck it out there for 33 minutes um it's going to be they're going to be the ones that, that, that take this team to wherever it goes uh but is it let's start with Brittany griner because you pretty much need to start with Brittany Griner in any uh, game that she plays in. I, I thought she was the best player in this game. She was incredible. Well, how much can you say about Brittany Griner? 23 points, 16 rebounds, um, but even that doesn't talk about her own impact. We were talking before the game, or kind of communicating before the game, about this Storm's uh, starting lineup. They started both Mercedes Russell and Ezzie Magbiger. To me, that's—I mean, I'm not a fly in the wall in that Storm coaching staff room, but uh, I think that's a direct result of, of having Brittany Griner on the floor.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. Ezzy's uh, ability to just create a little bit more havoc on those double teams and to cause a little bit less panic, you know, if there is maybe a switch, one one more capable player to kinda either scram a guard or just be that other player that can kind of match up in spot duties as opposed to what I would say is probably the preferred Line up if, if you want to, you know, score the basketball, which was, would be Katie Lou Samuelson at the four and Steph Talbot, who I thought had a really strong game for a lot of this game uh, at the three. And, you know, I, I think it does make sense, you know, after after you uh, I, I was not really a, a fan of this move when it first was announced. And then, you know, you, you kind of made your points about it and I came around on it a little bit more, but it, it did not go well. The two of them together and as game overall, I would say.
0: Yeah, Ezzy Magberger had a, a very up-and-down game. I mean, the potential, you, you could see the potential. You could see the vision. She's, as you said, extremely active um, on both ends of the court. But I feel like her feel for the game, particularly on offense, just isn't there. Um, and I don't think her where her basketball IQ is at right now matches her motor. So she just kind of looks lost out there sometimes against a Phoenix offense that knew what it wanted to do.
1: Yeah, and that brings us back, I think, to Brittany Griner, who, you know, like you were saying, outside of even the points and the rebounds, really commanded the game from just the attention that she brought. And, you know, she had a couple throwaways for sure. You know, there was the one that kind of sailed out of bounds over Taurasi's head. She, you know, I think tried to bounce one into Turner in the second half that maybe hit a defender's foot or something. Um, but for the most part, she was, she was patient with her passing. She found her... Uh, teammates, you know, limited as they may be offensively in some cases. Uh, they got them the ball where they could, you know, make the most out of it, I thought, largely.
0: You know, and this is another case of why I think Brittany Griner is is a very underrated passer, because she never really looked that rushed. Like you said, maybe there are a couple turnovers there in which the Storm defense did its job. And I guess you could say the Storm defense did, did its job whenever Griner was forced to give out the basketball. But the way, I mean, she just looks cool calm and collected about it and just her presence on the floor I mean is there a player in this league that forces teams to adjust defensively more
1: than Brittany Griner does I mean I don't think so no especially a team like this I mean you look at it like Mercedes Russell should be as good of a matchup as as any post player out there to to defend Brittany Griner as well one-on-one as any team can and it was still completely i guess in in their game plan to send help whenever possible and then when they didn't send help was you know late in the game they were going a little bit more one-on-one and grinder was able to just kind of take over more offensively
0: yeah and on the other end of the court uh, the storm man they got a lot of jewel lloyd in this game but it didn't really what
1: one other thing you know before we move on from grinder five offensive rebounds in this game i know this is something you know that you have been waiting for. I, I would. Yeah, I've, rid-
0: I've always, th- I've always thought Grinder was a great rebounder. You know, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this is a game in which uh, she was six foot nine, and nobody else was six foot nine. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. She she rebounded great, um, particularly when you know somebody, particularly when the shot went up for somebody else, whether it be Bree Turner or Scarlett and Smith getting into the lane and, and, and not being able to finish. Grinder was there, and and I think in in some cases it was the storm you know, rebounders being out of position, but all it takes is to be just a little bit out of position. When, when you're going up against a player who's that much taller and that much longer than everyone else, if she's committed to crashing the glass, if she's really committed to crashing the glass, you got to put a body on her 24 seven or else, I mean, she's just going to reach over you and get that rebound. So yeah, kudos to BG on a, on a terrific all around performance.
1: Uh, so you were going to move on to Seattle and, and start yes. with Jewel Lloyd, uh, I suppose, who did not have a great game statistically. Five of twenty-four from the field, zero for seven from three. Was able to get to the foul line a little bit. Uh, finished with fifteen points, but on twenty-eight shooting possessions essentially. So it was a real struggle. It, it did feel like she was kind of controlling the game a little bit more in the the second quarter. You know, I thought early Phoenix was. Playing a little bit higher on a lot of those, whether it was an on-ball screen or even an off-ball screen, especially you know with Brittany Griner, even a player who traditionally goes very, very deep drop coverage and you does not want to really play on the perimeter, but they were playing up more and it was really limiting what Jewel Lloyd was able to do. But then I thought you know in that second quarter, I don't know if it was just fatigue or you know wanting to stay out of foul I'm not really sure what what the the plan was, but they definitely seemed to be sinking a little bit more on some of that screen action
0: they were and, and and Jewel hit a few of those uh those pull-up mid-range jumpers, you know, she she snakes the high pick and roll and just stops and pops and hits, but most of those shots just weren't happening for her and particularly towards the end of the game. You said fatigue. I mean, how many times have we seen Jewel Lloyd start a game really really hot this season or have a really hot third quarter or what have you and then just kind of peter out towards the end of the game there. Granted, I don't think I don't think the Storm coaching staff did her many favors. Because I, I think they just put her in, in, in isolation plays when the Phoenix defense... I mean, with with no assert in this game, Phoenix was clearly loaded up to stop Jewel Lloyd. And for the most part, I think they did a good job of that. Lloyd missed some, missed some shots that she, you know, we used to seeing her make. But for the most part, I think the Mercury did a great job defending her. And, you know, forcing those tough looks at the rim, not allowing too many open three-pointers, uh, forcing her into a lot of mid-range jump shots, you know, which... Analytics will tell you that's 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 what you want to do against a great score. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's it's really hard to, to pick out a, a five for twenty-four shooting performance and say, Yeah, you know, she had a great game.
1: Yeah, and credit to Skylar Diggins Smith, who I thought played oh, well, yeah. you know, when she was guarding the point of attack. I think had maybe a little bit of a harder time kind of getting through some of those screens than maybe Kia Nurse did, but when she was able to just hang with Lloyd, you know, she has the lateral foot speed and you know, the, the feisty hands to make life difficult for Jewel Lloyd. And I thought, you know, she was she was a positive defensively in this game for sure. Skyler was terrific. Uh,
0: and defense is not something she's normally known for. We often criticize her defense. I think she has been better at it for most of the season than she was in the previous season. Um, but this game, she was just a terror. I mean, she was active. She was all over the place. It, she, it seemed like she really relished the challenge, you know. And, and she she gave it to Jewel Lloyd on both ends of the court. She was credited with two steals, but, man, it feels like she got her hands on a lot of basketballs.
1: Yeah, and there was, you know, a little bit of gambling in there for sure. Some of those, uh, those reach-around attempts. And, you know, one time I think she she was able to get it and take it the other way. And one time she missed. But the other thing about, you know, how Seattle approached this game, playing those two bigs. Like, there was a lot of Brittany Griner just kind of mucking things up, not guarding Ezzy Magburger as... Brianna Turner was sort of the primary defender on Mercedes Russell, sort of guarding that center position and, you know, letting BG just kind of do her thing defensively as just an extremely tall person. Yeah. I can confirm BG is extremely tall. Other things that really stood out to me about this game, um,
0: storm bench, not great, not great at all. Particularly in that first quarter, that first half, when, uh, they had, I think Kennedy Burke and Jordan Candidate and the Prince all out there at the same time. And, bad minutes, just bad minutes all around.
1: Yeah. I thought it was a, um, a, an oddly long rotation for Noel Quinn played nine, uh, nine players in this game, nine players all in the first quarter as well. You know, like you said, Kennedy Burke got some first quarter minutes, which did not go super well. She was only credited for one turnover, but, uh, I can remember two off the top of my head. She, she did have a nice contest at the rim for sure, but it, it, was uh, a little bit of an adventure for a, a player that we both like a lot. Um, Jordan Canada was not able to be effective in her 10 minutes. You know, Epiphany Prince couldn't really get it going. But to see, I guess, all of those players play early first quarter minutes was a little bit surprising for me.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess Noel Quinn adjusted as the game went I mean, at least regarding Burke. You know, I think at this point, Kennedy Burke is, is like a straight-up four. I don't think she gives you any advantages at three. But at the four, in this, in this matchup, you're looking for somebody who can... Maybe pull Brianna Turner out of the paint. Obviously, Burke is a is a terrific defender, and she's going to be able to cause some havoc on that end. So helping off Brianna Turner, which is what teams are going to continue to do, is is going to be helpful for her. But she can't really, you know, contribute on the offensive end either. So um, on the flip side of things, I thought Katie Lou Samuelson had a really good game. In fact, this is may have been the best game I've seen Samuelson play in the WNBA. She was great. She she did. She was not a defensive liability. And if she's not a defensive liability, you know she's gonna be able to hit some shots for you. She had four three pointers.
1: Yeah, and they were running actions for Katie Lou Samuelson to uh to get her those those actions and, you know, her three point shooting has, you know, maybe disappointed a little bit at this level, but not today for sure. She was a very effective offensive player and, you know, honestly, they're their second or third best player today.
0: Yeah. Uh anything else you wanna you wanna talk about from this box score real quick? Uh mercury 48 rebounds seattle 39 i don't think that's any big surprise
1: i mean Uh, i you know just the free throw shooting for phoenix almost lost in this game Uh, i did want to talk about just the end of regulation for for a second you know phoenix was able to get a stop uh with 12 and a half seconds left they get the rebound call timeout i i don't i don't like the timeout there really you had two timeouts left i think you could have You know, try to get something in transition with, you know, almost 13 seconds to play, but they call the timeout. And then the lineup that they run out on an offense-only possession, you're holding for the last shot for sure. You know, you don't add in another shooter, you know, a Sophie Cunningham or something for Brianna Turner. You still go with your two bigs, and that really mucks things up. They're not able to get a good look. They just run a straight isolation for Skylar Diggins-Smith. I mean, what a disaster of a final, you know, 13 seconds for uh, Sandy Brandello.
0: Yeah, I I sent out a tweet during the game saying, I think Brianna Turner is a better offensive player than people give her credit for. And I stand by that. But within the scheme of the game and in that situation, I mean, Sophie Cunningham hit how many threes against the Liberty? You you would think that they would have her out there for an offensive-only possession, like you said. But um,
1: yeah, that sent it to OT. she, She didn't even play in the second half. I mean, it was Shea Petty who, you know, gives them a little bit more ball handling, I guess, and had some nice moments defensively, but... To go, you know, 21 minutes for Petty and only nine minutes for Cunningham, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, when they were so desperately, you know, struggling offensively at times, really just kind of grinding through the mud, it, a little bit of a surprising move for me. You know, I, I understand that kind of Tarossi is limited, so you don't really have that sort of second ball handler. Like Kia Nurse has, has not really, you know, she's she's been okay in the role that she's asked to do, but she's not, you know, creating things for others off the bounce or something, but... I don't know. It just didn't really seem like Petty was much of a value add today.
0: Well, let's. You mentioned Terazi. Let's let's just mention this real quick. Um, it was unknown if she was going to play in this game up until like the very uh, minutes like before, um, and she to me looked pretty limited, at least physically speaking. She did hit a few three pointers, um, and I was talking about this with uh, M. Adler on Twitter. She said, "Yeah, Terazi is being used as a decoy, and that's sometimes that's good enough because she's still at Terazi, but."
1: Man, I mean, thirty-three. Uh, minutes. I mean, she's she's sure of a hell of a better decoy than Shea Petty.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. You, you're definitely gonna run out against Dinah Tarazzi a lot more. You know, you're you're definitely gonna get her a lot more attention than Shea Petty behind the arc. But I don't know. Do you think Terrazzi can keep this up? Because now they advance. Now they play Las Vegas, which I guess we can talk about next. Uh, I what I are mean, you thinking about this. Yeah,
1: what what I probably my inclination, and I feel like coaches just never think this way, but. You know, rest her game one. It's it's a quick turnaround Tuesday. You know, if they're they're going to be in Vegas for a few days, so try to steal game two in Las Vegas maybe, and then win your two at home, or you know, split and try to t- kind of steal one in game five. It, it seems hard to believe that she'll be. Kind of even as good as she was physically today, in in just a couple more days, uh, you know, and she got it going a little bit in overtime and got them some some much needed buckets. I think she had five points on like three shots in overtime and, and hit a three. So, you know, they they don't win this game without her, I don't think. But and the other thing is, you know, with uh, with a Katie Lou Samuelson type and uh, a you know Sue Bird, you know Jordan Canna, Steph, Steph Talbot, like this team didn't really have a ton. Like there was always kind of a place for Tarasi to hide defensively, right. even if they were trying to go at her a little bit. And maybe that's the case also with, with, you know, Jackie Young or something like that in, in the next series, we'll see kind of how they decide to match up that way. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence in sort of just based on what we saw today.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a quick turnaround too. They play on Tuesday, the 28th, which is kind of crazy to me, but okay. Um, so let's talk about that series for a second. Vegas versus Phoenix, where do you start with that?
1: Well, I'm excited. I think it's going to be, it it has the potential to be a pretty fun series. I mean, maybe Vegas just kind of blows their doors off if uh, Phoenix isn't 100% right. But I think, you know, this is a, a pretty good, I think, defensive matchup for the front court of Phoenix. Like, I like Turner defending Asia Wilson, okay, you know, better than a lot of other matchups out there. I like her defending Hamby when they go smaller as well. I think Griner's length at times, you know, she can be one of the few defenders to really give Cambage problems one-on-one. Cambage has been, you know, almost underratedly efficient in, in this Vegas system, and I think Griner can give her some trouble. Do you think, I guess, maybe the size of the Vegas guards, you know, do, will they be too big and too strong to, you know, for, for Phoenix's guards to hang defensively?
0: I think that's definitely an issue, uh, particularly for Skylar Diggins-Smith, because who is, who is she going to be guarding? Is she going to be at the point of attack against Chelsea Gray? Granted, Ch- Chelsea Gray hasn't really been taking advantage of her size for several years now, but other other options would be to put her on Raquan Williams and have her coming off screens or on Jackie Young and risk having Jackie Young just totally muscle her.
1: I mean, Kelsey advocate. Kelsey Plum's going to play a lot of minutes. Yeah, would you true. rather Skylar Diggins-Smith on Kelsey Plum or Chelsea Gray?
0: You know, I, I think I'd rather have her on Kelsey Plum. Just because of the activity, you need someone to match Plum's energy, and I'm not sure. Well, who else would it be?
1: Yeah, and then you can put Nurse, uh, a little bit of a bigger body, on Chelsea Gray. I think that's you know a matchup that you're not panicking about, and DT can you know guard whoever that. I mean, unless you're going with a bigger lineup, you know, I, I don't really love Terossi trying to hang with Hamby or something like that. Uh, and I think Vegas probably will show a lot of kind of those three big lineups in this one, but you know, there'll be ways to, I think, for Vegas to kind of figure it out where there, there really isn't going to be too many matchups where Phoenix is panicking defensively, I think.
0: Now, how about this front court matchup? Because obviously it's it's all going to start and finish with, with Griner versus Asia Wilson and Liz Cambage. If Phoenix was struggling in this game to keep Brianna Turner busy on offense, how's it going to look against that front court?
1: Yeah, I think, you know... Phoenix has, over the course of the season, learned to to play offense a little bit better with those two players, and, and, you know, Turner, That that's the thing, just Turner as a power forward and kind of having having really nothing to do other than just kind of set screens and, you know, take a... a Which she's good at, but... She is a good screener, but, you know, I feel like it, it's just a little bit of diminishing returns, uh, and it turns into a lot of, you know... 12 to 15 foot floaters or kind of like two dribble drives. And I don't think she's great at those really necessarily. Um, so while Phoenix has evolved offensively and, you know, they've found ways for Turner to find the front of the rim with Greiner, when Griner has the basketball or when they're running like a one five pick and roll or something with Diggin Smith and Griner, you know this this team much like like a potential Connecticut matchup like they are they are going to ignore the players that they need to ignore and really muck things up in the paint for the the players that kind of command the attention.
0: And uh, you're not going to be doubling Griner, like the Stormwood, I assume. I think they'll just be fine with Cambe guarding her one on one, right?
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I I was kind of assuming that they maybe would send a little bit of help, only because I mean I imagine it would be more you know, like the Liberty where you are helping and rotating and moving a lot uh, with defensive rotations uh, more so than kind of Seattle seemed to be really kind of helping without a plan to help the help today.
0: That's, that is true. Like uh we did see a lot of, a lot of chaos created kind of by their own defensive uh, scheme, but yeah, that's, that'll be one thing to watch out for. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What, what would you do? You know, would you, would you just straight up cover everyone else and have, Wilson on Turner or would you have Wilson Rome? Or or would you double?
1: Yeah, I mean, I part of me wants to maybe even have Asia be the primary defender on Brittany Griner and okay. be have Cambage, but you know, I, I don't know if Cambage is, is just gonna kind of buy into that defensively. So, you know, maybe it's just Cambage is the primary defender on Griner. Um Wilson, I think, you know, sending a lot of help. Maybe it's coming from Kia Nurse. I mean, if Shea Petty plays a lot of minutes in this series, she's she's going to kind of get the Jackie Young treatment and, and sort of just
0: yeah definitely
1: have to prove that she's an offensive player, you know, worthy of kind of playing in a five-game series against one of the very best teams in the league. Um, so I, I do think Griner is going to see a lot of uh, uh, second bodies, I guess, in this series.
0: Okay, I guess I guess one thing I overlooked is that Cambage probably isn't, isn't going to play that much. We are going to see plenty of Wilson... Hamby lineups, or Wilson-Stokes lineups, in which case you might want to double uh, BG.
1: Um, Yeah, and I do think Hamby, probably more than any of the other players that we're talking about, will be an extremely active help defender, and really kind of be the one that can play with a lot of energy, kind of, you know, having to just sort of like bust her butt, going back and forth, uh, rotating in that way.
0: Okay, alright. Well, that'll be an interesting matchup. Like I said, it starts on Tuesday, so not much much rest time for the uh, Phoenix-Mercury, so would you like to move on to the second game?
1: Yeah, let's do it. A, uh, a huge sky win. Eric, I know you must be excited. Um, <laughs> where, where should we start with this one? I think there's a lot to talk about.
0: There is a lot to talk about. Um, of course, emotions are running high for Minnesota as Sylvia Fowles earned her fourth Defensive Player of the Year award. So congratulations to her. Um, and for the first quarter, I was. it went about as I expected. It was Fowles, Fowles, Fowles. Didn't really have an answer for her in the paint or on the boards, This guy taking some, you know, trying to establish their pace, but taking some maybe some questionable shots. Kind of thankful this guy were only down by one point at the end of the quarter. But, man, after that, it it really turned around in Chicago's favor, and they didn't really let up.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I, I do think the story of this game has to be Lasia Clarendon being limited to eleven yes. minutes in this game, o for one shooting. Um, I missed unfortunately some of the first quarter uh, watching overtime of the other game, so I don't know when Lasia took his initial rest in the game, or did did, did she start or? I, I think Lasia started, right? Um, yeah, Lasia started. Okay, and then you know uh, they tried to kind of come back at one point in the fourth quarter and you know maybe only made it a couple minutes so it was a lot of like crystal danger field and another disappointing crystal Dangerfield field performance you know just kind of in over her head uh in a lot of ways and yeah it was is a so minnesota without clarendon in the game just didn't really have kind of a a point guard to run competent offense uh we saw A lot of aerial powers and, you know, it was a valiant effort from powers. One thing about powers in this one, at least she kind of, she never gave up. You know, there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, Nafisa Collier I think kind of disappeared and we can get to that. But you know, there was, um, 11 turnovers between, uh, aerial powers and Kayla McBride, 11 steals for Chicago in this game. Every one of them seemingly leading to a run out layup, which kind of lines up with their 22 fast break points tonight. Uh, for Chicago. So they were, you know, due to the lack of, I guess, you know, competent point guard play, Chicago was really able to cause a lot of pressure, get out in the open court and, you know, Minnesota just could, couldn't could really kind of overcome that.
0: I think the one thing that Chicago really excelled at, the, at in this game was speeding the game up to their favor. Uh, one thing that I, I want to go back to is something that you said a, a while ago when we were talking about our, our postseason contenders was that the Lynx don't really have a quickness advantage over anybody. Granted, Ariel Powers is, is a tr- uh, tremendous athlete, but aside from her, um, you're not going to see them really out-athlete anybody else, and that was very obvious in this game. Chicago got 22 fast-break points to Minnesota's four, and it seems like, you, you know, they were able to really, with without Clarendon in the game handling the ball, they were really able to speed Minnesota up, force havoc, you know, create turnovers, but even if they weren't creating turnovers, they were forcing bad shots, or they were, you know, later in the game, they were keeping Sylvia Fowles from getting the basketball. I think that's sort of a I think that was sort of like a lack of patience thing on Minnesota's part. Like fouls was completely invisible in the second half because like they just weren't getting her the basketball. She was there. She was working. But like you said, not a lot of competent offense there. So it, because the Sky were able to establish the pace of their game in their favor, you know, their are transition opportunities galore. You know, Copper was getting to her spots. Even you had Ezra Stevens and Stu Fall in, in situations outmaneuvering their, their uh, respective matchups on the court. So yeah, the athleticism advantage and the speed advantage was really, really apparent, particularly in the second half.
1: And to kind of go back to something that you were just talking about, I feel like when there is a stark athleticism advantage like that, m- more so maybe than any other kind of factor, can really contr- like can really kind of tip the scales um, for so this sort of single elimination type uh, games. You think about the Sky a couple years ago when they beat the Phoenix Mercury; like they were just much more of an athletic, fast team than Phoenix. Last year, uh, for my Connecticut son, you know, in their two matchups, uh, LA especially, you know, they were just much more of a uh, bigger, stronger, faster type athletes. So, you know, I think that stuff can kind of normalize a little bit over the course of a five game series. But when you do get to just kind of, you know, one and done, it can, you know, it can overwhelm. And that's what happened today.
0: Also, The Sky out-rebounded the Lynx 37-29. to This is something I did not see coming because the Lynx are a good rebounding team and the Sky were not. Um, In order to win this game, I think Chicago just had to keep that respectable. You know, don't lose the rebounding battle by so much, but they've flat out won that battle. And that was a huge key in this game. As Ray Stevens, five offensive rebounds.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about Stevens how were you kind of feeling going into this one as Stevens with, you know, with Stevens as the second big rather than like a Steph Dolson or something?
0: You know, it's interesting because I feel like this is a matchup in which Dolson would be okay. You know, she doesn't really struggle. I mean, I shouldn't say that a lot of people struggle against Sylvia Fowles, but for her, it's, it's less of bodying up the bigger centers than it is defending in space. So I think she would have been okay here. Uh, she was uh, plus seven in this matchup in, in 19 minutes, by the way. But, with Stevens, um, she does bring the transition element a little bit, and she just brings that ranginess. I, I feel like the one knock I have on Stevens' game is she's kind of... She's not always particularly engaged on defense. I feel like there's a lot of miscommunication involving Ezra Stevens on on defense for whatever reason. But she was good today. I mean, five offensive rebounds, shot eight free throws, got a couple steals. Some, this was... some
1: huge, huge timely offensive rebounds, too. Yes,
0: yes. especially down the stretch. So... I mean maybe not an eye-popping stat line but more something that'll more than get it done against maybe the best center in the WNBA.
1: And I think even maybe even more so for Stevens specifically like she like Nafisa Collier just had nothing for Azura Stevens for no. most of this game.
0: No, and that's that's something that disappointed me as a as a as an impartial viewer is that Collier Man, like, she, like you said, she was basically invisible for much of the game. She did make a couple really nice plays on defense um, when like they, they, they tried to blitz the pick and roll. Um, and she hit a couple of three-pointers, one big one towards the end of the game when the Lynx were trying to come back. But you didn't really see much of this. I mean, she played 35 of the 40 minutes, but you didn't really see her really assert herself at any point in this game.
1: No, and just think about kind of what we saw from them last year without, again, like a, yeah. a great point guard option and, and it was a lot of the offense running through Nafisa Collier. Um, you know, there's, I think, some speculation maybe that Collier is not right. Or maybe it's not speculation. Maybe it is.
0: She's got a plantar fasciitis. Pla-
1: plantar fasciitis, right. So that that's obviously extremely debilitating. But, you know, she's out there, right? She, she played 35 minutes, like you said. But it just didn't seem like, you know, this, I think, should be a matchup for Nafisa Collier, right? There's no, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't, you know, the Connecticut Sun or something where it just kind of doesn't, fit naturally for her to be a power forward here like that there, there's no reason why she shouldn't have had a, a better game but you know chicago was able to to take her out of it she was one for nine from two-point range you know she the playmaking that we saw last year just wasn't really there which what was i think maybe even the biggest disappointment was like she should have been in a lot of ways kind of the calming presence for yeah Minnesota when things were just kind of getting too flustered and they were just turning it over uh, you know on consecutive possessions and stuff like that but it it just never really came around for Collier.
0: What did you think about Ariel Powers game?
1: Well I again missed the early part of this game um, but I did turn it on when she was kind of really starting to get going in the second quarter like she was pretty much kind of all they had in that quarter and I thought that was her best stretch Um, but you know it was just a lot of it felt like, well, well, no one else is really getting it done, so let me just kind of eat up these possessions. Um And credit to her, you know, she she made some really tough passes. But I thought Copper, for the most part, did really well against her. Took it to her defensively as well. Copper did, you know, yeah. just just you know, put her in the weight room a couple times and, and got right to the rim. Um And you know, Powers. I think it was. Did, did she have five turnovers? I think and Six ten turnovers. Oh wow! Okay. Six. That, that, that's a lot. Um, yeah. so it was 12 turnovers between her, her and McBride and, you know, 10 for 21 shooting. So, I mean, it, it was a little bit of a, a struggle for sure. And it was kind of, it turned into a lot, a lot of kind of two point jump shots, which, you know, that's what powers game is largely is two point jump shots, but they weren't necessarily huge, you know, value add looks.
0: Okay. So this to me was the quintessential aerial powers performance because she started slow, um, by missing shots and then she continued to take shots and they just ended up going in. Uh, and that's not to take away, you know, from Ariel Powers' game. She's obviously a, a really talented scorer and a, and a very good athlete. But it, to me, it seemed like, yes, the Lynx needed her to get going later in the game because no one else is really stepping up to that assignment. But I think that also was a, a factor in Sylvia Fowles almost kind of getting frozen out of their offense. Because, I mean, there there were times late in the game when, like, it, it, she Fowles was out there and they just, like, weren't even looking for her.
1: Yeah, but I think you know credit to Chicago for. I mean, I thought they they did well against Falls, kind of, um, you know, making her see multiple bodies. But it was just more so, I thought, the perimeter defense, you know, without kind of that natural point guard out there or you know, Crystal Crystal Dangerfield, who what what I think she'll struggle with more than anything else, really, obviously, besides defensively, is you know, as a a post entry passer, like how does someone that small yeah. kind of get? get to be a good post-entry passer you know what i mean so yeah and i
0: think vandersloot in particular was really good in this game um i mean obviously the, the 19 points and, and five assists that's that, that was good five turnovers not so good but on defense i thought she was really 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 active particularly against dangerfield because that's a matchup in, that favors chicago significantly because you know vandersloot's gonna have the size advantage and she's she just gets her hands on so many on so many basketballs you know and that, that, that point of attack, you're right. I mean, you, you can't get the ball into the post if you can't see the post or if you can't control the basketball. So yeah, that's that's a great point.
1: Yeah, I thought Dangerfield, uh, I'm sorry, I thought VanderSloot, like you're saying, was extremely active defensively in this one. She had the, the three steals and uh it was, you know, for sure on ball against Dangerfield, but even, you know, kind of off ball, roaming a little bit, making plays, um, she she had a really great game. She was, you know, probably Better than anyone else, like on. She was probably better than any individual player on the links. And then you know they. This guy also had copper playing great, and you know Candace Parker didn't have a great scoring game, but I thought she was pretty effective in other ways. I mean, we should probably talk a little bit more about Kalea Copper, who I thought a- another just great yeah. playoff performance for Kalea Copper, kind of getting getting to the spots that she wants to get to, and those are not kind of the long two spots. The it's the front of the rim a lot.
0: No, she was getting to the rim often. And the links were there, but she was just bodying them. She she really imposed her athleticism advantage in this one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, closer two free throws, two free throws attempted only. But I mean, some of those finishes, like she was, like you said, putting them in the weight room. Only only twenty nine minutes, but that's also because Diamond to Shields was was playing pretty well. But yeah, Kalia Copper, arguably the best player on, on on the floor in this game, and played some pretty good defense too. You know, Powers. Had that had that had, had those gaudy scoring numbers but copper was making it difficult for her on basically every possession and it seemed like she really embraced that role of top perimeter defender
1: is there anything else we should hit on this game or do you want to look forward to uh, a matchup that we saw last year for one game Chicago versus Connecticut
0: yeah let's uh let's talk about this uh, double down rivalry here uh Eric Sky against Steven's son another game that'll another series that'll start on the 28th. So, of course, the Sun, number one overall seed, they get the double buy Sky coming in, having played two games already. You should be feeling pretty confident about this one.
1: Yeah. How are you feeling? I mean, I, I guess I want to <laughs> start with the question. You know, I feel like, the, you know, it, it's kind of getting tired that we talk about it so much. But like, what are you thinking for for that second big in the series? Is it, Do you kind of go a little bit? Uh, bigger with Dolson? Or, you know, have you seen enough from Stevens in these playoffs to just maybe forego conventional matchup wisdom? Well, that depends on what the defensive game plan is. If you want to, I think Stevens is valuable for the pace
0: because she can at least uh, cause a little more havoc on defense than than Dolson than can. But she's going to be giving up a lot of size to Brianna Jones. So I don't know. I guess it depends on what how much of a traditional defense you want to play. Of course, this is a much different matchup than it is against Minnesota because you can play you can play Connecticut's guards pretty much straight up with your own and not have to worry about that.
1: Well, well I, I think that's maybe Chicago's biggest, not advantage necessarily, but sort of like a sigh of relief. Like you are not, I mean, Chicago's guards are not, you know, Quigley, Vandersloot. These are not uh, players that you think of as defensive stalwarts. Um, but, you know, Connecticut's backcourt does not strike fear in you know, Sky fans uh, thinking of kind of how Van VanderSluut and Quigley are going to hang defensively.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like if if uh, Connecticut is baited into running their offense through Jasmine Thomas and Brian January, I'll be a super happy Sky fan. <laughs> they're they're too well coached for that. But I'm just saying, like to your point, yes, it's it's not. You're not going to need to hide anybody. I am very much looking forward to an Ali Quigley versus Brian January matchup. You know, terrific off ball movement on both ends of the court. But yeah, inside, I don't think James Wade is going to want to mess with what's been working though. This is just a hunch, but I, I think, you know, Stevens aren't played so well and Dolson doesn't give a tremendous advantage. Maybe he'll, he'll like the potential floor spacing, but it's not like Steph Dawson gets up six or seven threes a game. So my, I, I would guess Ezra Stevens starts.
1: But you're thinking that Candace Parker one way or the other is probably going to have the primary assignment on Jonquil Jones. And uh, she has to, she has to, I mean, I, I wouldn't trust anybody else. Yeah, I guess I, my, my thought process is like Stevens is just too small for Bree Jones. Bree Jones is going to put her in the goal. And, you know, Dolson is not statistically a great post defender, but I feel like her weaknesses, you know, Bree Jones is a little bit kind of undersized for a traditional center. So where I see Dolson's weakness just as a straight post defender, it's not kind of like size and strength. It's just sort of being able to play vertically, but you don't, you know, you don't have to kind of get up to contest an Asia Wilson shot or a Liz Cambay shot uh, against Brianna Jones. I, I feel like Dolson can maybe hang a little bit more. Then you know it's a it's a decent matchup I think there.
0: Yeah, you're right, and, and, that, and that's a good point. You just have to worry about her getting killed on, on on the glass. But I mean, this this is the danger of playing the Connecticut Sun. They are an amazing rebounding team. They're an amazing defensive team, and they have really
1: really strong discipline in their in their in their schemes. So. And the other thing is, you know, Chicago is going to have to be able to get in transition. Like this is. Oh yeah. Again, we talked about it kind of before separately. You know, Chicago was a bottom four half court offense this season Connecticut the number one half-court defense in the league so and Connecticut also extremely good on both sides of the boards so uh, that that's something where no matter which kind of element uh, Chicago goes to in terms of you know their their bigs pairing they they got to make sure they take care of the glass because that's you know one going to be one of the huge ways that that this team kind of gets their offense but also you know Connecticut turns the ball over so they're going to give Chicago some chances to kind of get out and run like Minnesota did today
0: and Connecticut also has Alyssa Thomas back, which is striking a lot of fear into my heart. She does still have two uh, torn labrums. I don't know if you heard about that. but um, Wait, what? She's, yeah. But her Achilles is fully healed, um, which means she can play basketball again, which is decidedly good for the Connecticut Sun. It, I just feel like this is just the rich getting richer. They're not going to overhaul their game plan, um, but it just adds another elite defender to a roster full of elite defenders and, 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 another, and another motor. You know, like there is no, the, the sun on the boards. they just keep coming and coming and coming. And, and you're not going to, you got to give 40 minutes of effort on, on, on the glass. That there's, there's no room for lapses. Um, and that's where I'm probably most concerned as a Sky fan is just, just being ground down on, on, on the glass on both, on both offensive and re- uh, defensive rebounding.
1: Well, and one thing that we talk about with Phoenix all the time is like, they just, they don't have optionality, right? If, if X isn't working, there is no Y At least Alyssa Thomas can bring a little bit of a different element in terms of a player that will run in transition when Connecticut really has no one else to do that.
0: Or a backup or
1: or, or another four.
0: You know, Beatrice Montpremier doesn't need to play anymore. Stephanie Jones doesn't need to play anymore. In the playoffs, that could mean the difference between a win and a loss.
1: I mean, on, or backup guard. But it was yeah, yeah, not true. not too long ago in the, the 2019 finals where Alyssa Thomas was playing the full 40 and in 10 of those was playing backup point guard um, because they just didn't have anybody else. But, you know, they do Hell have here. Heideman now. I'm sure they will at all times have two of uh, Thomas, uh, Jasmine Thomas, Breon January, and Natisha Heideman on the court. Like, I don't think there's really going to be any moments that unlike, you know, last playoffs um, where, you know, uh I'm sorry, Breanne January was still, you know, coming back from COVID and uh, I don't think she was in as good of a shape as she is in this season, you know, not due to any fault of her own, but that's just the reality of uh, the terrible disease that we're all going uh, kind of dealing with. You know, she she just wasn't from a cardiovascular standpoint able to play the heavy minutes. So we did see no Jasmine Thomas, no Brion January minutes last playoffs. And I, I don't think that'll be the case this year.
0: This is this is music to Kurt Miller's ears. You mean I can play a seven-player rotation now? Awesome, um, yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm looking forward to it as a fan. Uh, I'm not optimistic as a fan, but it's more basketball. How
1: definitely. how are you feeling about the Kalea Copper dewana Bonner matchup?
0: That's interesting. That's interesting because right now I think Copper is for one she's playing with a ton of confidence. I think she's just figuring out now that like no one's guarding me off the bounce. But I think in this matchup the Sun are are pretty difficult because you're going to have the length of Bonner on her, which is difficult enough, but then you're going to have a very disciplined interior defense, a disciplined and large interior defense that, I mean, man, I, I don't see how you, how you can continuously how any player can continuously get to the rim off the dribble against the sun defense.
1: Yeah. And I, this wasn't really a matchup that we saw too much of because in the three games that these teams played, yeah, no, it, it was all those games where John Jonquil Jones was out. So they were playing smaller with uh, with Bonner at the four. Um, so it was a lot of Kyla Charles on Kalea Copper, who, you know, who knows if we'll even see her at all in this five game series. Um, uh, anything else, I guess, uh, in terms of sort of like specific matchups that you're looking forward to? I, I do think Chicago probably has a, a bench advantage, you know, with, uh, I mean, we'll see what we get out of Diamond to Shields. It can always go either way, I think. But I mean, do you think any any guards on Chicago's bench uh, you would prefer over natasha Heideman who who has the bench advantage here do you think it is Chicago
0: well I think Chicago has mm, this is a good question because I think Chicago has better players coming off their bench but I'm not sure how functional that depth is in this particular matchup because I mean like I think Dan Evans has had a pretty decent rookie season. She's not going to get anything against this. Connecticut she's going to get erased. <laughs> no, no, she 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 may not. She might not even. They might actually have to go with Lexi Braun instead of Dana Evans against this backcourt. Um, and the Shields, like you said, it's it's always an adventure. Uh, it, whether you get a good good diamond or bad diamond game, I think you know Steph Dolson is is obviously going to play a large role in this series, but she needs to make enough of an offensive impact to kind of negate whatever deficiencies she's going to be presenting against this Connecticut front court. So. But on the other hand, like Connecticut, like uh, how much of the bench are they even going to play besides Heidemann? Well, Technically, Alyssa Thomas is a bench yeah, player. Yeah, well, now, they'll, right?
1: they'll play Thomas. Uh, so it'll probably be, you know, it'll, I think it'll probably be seven players mostly. And you'll see maybe five total minutes from, yeah. you know, try, try Charles for two minutes, try, Mo, try Mom Premier for two minutes. Uh, if this team makes it to the finals, it probably will just be strictly a seven player lineup and they'll just kind of push, push their, their players as much as they possibly can. Um, but that's, that's pretty much all I've got. Is there anything you wanted to talk about in particular? Uh, No, I mean, I guess I, I did just want to... like I'm so looking forward to, like you said, the, the Breon-January guarding Alley Quigley matchup. I think January might be the best lock and trail defender in the league, and nobody moves off the basketball like Allie Quigley does, so that's going to be a great time. Um, and
0: both of them have like infinite energy, too.
1: Yeah, neither one of these players are going to get tired, so it, it's going to be pretty great. I can't wait. Um, I... You know, I do think Connecticut is going to win this series uh, as much as I try not to be a homer on this podcast. And if anything, no, I'm I agree, usually uh, more skeptical uh, of this team than maybe is warranted. But yeah, I guess, you know, what what sort of like what will it take? What does a Chicago five game series win look like uh, kind of in totality? My goodness.
0: Um, a lot of made threes and a lot of transition buckets. Because those are the only two areas in which I think this guy have have an advantage I I don't think you can you can say like oh yeah I could see the this guy winning the rebound battle in this game because I, it's just not gonna happen like it's too much size
1: yeah you know, it's it it's, seems like even unlikely that like Candace Parker is the best big in the series you know? yeah
0: and that's that's gonna be a problem um I as a fan I do need to see more from Candace you know she hasn't really been that aggressive in in uh, in, in recent games um and I think she just needs to find it in this series because if if they're not respecting Candace Parker offensively that's that's a problem that's a problem cuz like you said in the half court this is not a good matchup for Chicago at all so um they just need their their star players to step up big i mean that's it, surface level analysis but i think it's valid
1: all right i think we're good want to wrap up let's wrap it up all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you want to support the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review. This was a, a great weekend of games, and we're we're just getting to the good part now. Five-game series, it's what it's all about. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Double Down WNBA, at Nemchuk E for Eric, at Trinkwald for myself. We will be back next weekend, I'm sure, to... I think there's probably a Sunday game. I think Game 3s are on Sunday, so we will yes. probably be talking about that. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care, everybody.